0: back to the Doomer Optimism podcast where we have rotating guests, rotating hosts. Uh, today, uh, Ashley Colby, who's been a regular host. Uh, James, you're kind of like a guest and kind of a host, I, I think. Well, well, we can we can think of this as a conversation, um, but you can kind of define your role however you want. Um, but today, um, I think we're having kind of a little bit different of a conversation than, than usual for Doomer Optimism. So, I think we're kind of known for being like minimum viable tech. Some might say, you know, Luddites, gasp. Um, but, you know, I'm also probably more than Ashley here, and you can defend yourself, Ashley. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more interested in the possibility of decentralized tech and small scale tech to allow us to be localized, but perhaps, you um, You know, perhaps have slightly better qualities of life than medieval peasants, for example. Um, But we don't want to be also we don't want to be, you know, part of fragile supply chains. So uh, that was kind of the idea of having you guys on tonight is it just to discuss this kind of, you know, new vision of tech. um, And and kind of how you see technology relating to your decentralized technology small scale like distributed manufacturing and things like that, related to new forms of social organization as well, uh, and how you see the future and the future we're heading into. So, but before we get into all that, maybe we'll just start by uh, having James and Eli, both of you kind of just introduce yourselves a little bit and how you relate to kind of these issues. Um, You know, take as long as you want, maybe a few minutes or whatever. Um, I don't know, James, you want to go first? Sure. uh yeah I'm James James Rishford. um I relate to these
1: I, I kind of entered uh, I guess the the realm of decentralized tech that, that you're talking about from uh cryptocurrency world so I was a software developer and 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 working um working full-time in that for a while and then uh, in 2017 I um, crypto blew up you know it wasn't the first time but but it, it was kind of this like mini mainstreaming of, of cryptocurrency things bitcoin price shot up there was all this hype and all this kind of energy um that's when my attention kind of got got caught by it. Uh, so i started uh i left what i was working on and I, I started just kind of reading a lot researching writing some doing some like crypto journalism writing some articles and Got into kind of technical, technical writing, technical editing for for research papers. So I, I've kind of come in from that side, um, and um, and then I intersect with with sort of maybe stuff that y'all talk about more usually. Because I found myself doing this in uh, Northern California in the Bay Area, uh, and was running in circles of of folks. Um, you know, also working on kind of like land projects, permaculture farms, land projects, eco villages—call them what you want. You know, just just kind of uh these sort of like different co-living, um, co-working situations. Um, so I found myself in, in those worlds, um, in the sort of yeah like cr- crunchy crunchy granola builder hippie worlds of of like eco village Norcal, um, and then also this kind of software guy, in crypto. Uh, learning about distributed systems and learning about about um, kind of yeah this decentralized finance this kind of world Um, and and have just been drawn was drawn immediately to kind of how to bridge these worlds um, which have at this point been been like at least are, are moving towards being quite successfully bridged without much help from me uh, but but I've been in that in those two worlds and, and interested in, in how they they intersect in both the physical decentralization and, and then this um, yeah like kind of software enabled and, and economic decentralization that, that that really seemed to to mesh well have a lot of at least metaphorical uh, commonalities and juice um, and more and more um, implementation wise and like technical commonalities so that's sort of, that's sort of my interest and my connection with eli is is a good friend of mine that, that we have known each other for a few years and um he's now kind of ramping up a project that he'll tell you all about uh, that, that i'm gonna, i'm joining on to help with in in terms of sort of storytelling narrative strategy and and sort of general kind of mini hat startup vibes but yeah that's that's sort of where i'm at
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'll
2: unmute there. topic was decentralized tech. Yeah, I for me, it kind of starts at the beginning. And the beginning for me was on top of a mountain in the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of the winter, in the middle of the night. with a shed and in, in a shed with no running water and electricity, which is where I was born by back to the lander hippies from that time period in the, the late 80s. And so I grew up in this like bucolic, idealist, idyllic, very low tech environment. And of course, uh, my vector of rebellion was to become an accomplished technologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> And it's kind of coming full circle for me because I, you know, my technology path was on, was in renewable energy for a long time. Uh, when I was 16, I had a motorcycle and I was tired of paying for fuel. So I wanted to figure out how to make my own fuel. And I started asking the internet, how do you make fuel? And I just never stopped. And I went about hydrogen and biogas and uh, gasification, bio, it's just all these things um i worked on that and i was working for a company called all power labs for a long time which does decentralized power generation from raw biomass so wood chips to electricity these little pallet sized uh, units for basically villages in developing countries and but there was a with the whole time there was this like gnawing at me and it really came it really bubbled up in the beginning of the pandemic and the gnawing was no matter how cleanly or greenly we power things, the way we make stuff is inherently extractive. So you really have to solve both, right? You can't just solve the power problem and expect the, the world to be okay. Um, we Yeah, you have to solve the making of things, food and durable goods and all that. And what I really liked about that as a fulcrum is that there's way more financial leverage to be had from stuff than power. I mean, you need both, right? You, you you should have your own sovereign power, but then the ability to to make things puts whoever owns that production equipment in the uh, position of great economic resilience. And so my heart being out to those who are stewarding land and trying to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem, uh, and having seen kind of what that looks like sometimes, I saw there's a clear fit for the right tools for those people. So, you know, we're a tool bearing species, um, always have been. And so what is the uh, what is the appropriate tool set? Um, and this really kicked off in the beginning of the pandemic when there was a clear supply chain fragility around alcohol because the, the need for sanitizer, you couldn't get alcohol, you couldn't get sanitizer. With my renewable energy background, you know, from being 16, I knew how to build a distillery. So I started making alcohol. Wow, actually I can make this way cheaper than I can buy it and I can pay my rent in the San Francisco Bay area by having this refrigerator sized distillery that's just sufficiently and you know I was able that freed me up to do things like reduce cost of sugar by buying local free candy waste that someone was making and had a year supply of that direct resource cut my costs in half um, further making it more cost effective and so with that is this sort of like major challenge to economy of scale, realizing economy scale is not, a, it's not always, it's not a capital T truth. Uh, it's fallible. And it's not always true. And where it's not true, you know, what, what that looks like is decentralizing manufacturing. We're already seeing this as a vector in technology because as automation improves and labor costs go down, there's no reason to pay for a machine to be operating autonomously far, far away. You start needing, you start cost optimizing by being closer and that it, you start bringing the machines as close as possible. Am I getting too much in the details? I'll just keep going. No, no, you're not.
1: Um, Okay, perfect.
2: Yeah, so you just need to start bringing the natural resources, the market, and the equipment all as close as possible together, and that's the next logical step in cost optimizing, right? And this is really good because now you have a complex system of production equipment near natural resources, and if you scale it correctly and you map it out right you can actually you know acknowledge the natural systems that are endemic to that region ideally you've got some uh, indigenous wisdom you can you can uh, borrow and like presence to the to the systems there and participate with these tools so you can harness the natural systems accelerate them in some cases uh, and overall yes participate not dominate and and all while all the while making products and that you need and having yeah, in many cases, the ability to make a good living as a land steward. I mean, adding many zeros to the end of your revenue per acre by having uh, you know several revenue streams and if you, yeah, if you organize it correctly, you can push a bunch of biological material into the soil and and do a lot of regenerative work. And so that's that was a big awakening for me and it felt imperative to empower this. and you know the gaps are, you know, you can't buy the right tools. If the people who buy, industri- people who build industrial tools, they're engineering for a different kind of client. Those who think in this scaled up way, um, you know, our built environment isn't even really meant for it at this point, but so you have to have the right tools and you have to have the right business models. And those are missing right now to really enable someone to be a sovereign small local producer within these closed loop systems. It's kind of a leap it's not impossible by any means. You just can't go out and buy the tools you need at this point. Um, which led me to what I'm doing now is
1: I've launched a venture studio called new power industry, whose purpose is to design
2: and developed those tools. Um, and so i got a pipeline of small scale, somewhat sophisticated process tools that can be used in service of people who are stewarding land or you know, custodians of land uh, that need to earn a living. And so this, where this is more cost effective and you can implement, you actually have this erosion of the existing extractive systems because now you're the way you're making the products you need is in this new model that at least invites you to closed loop systems and really encourages it because when you connect a producer of product with the resources they're drawing from. I believe you've made it. You've made a. You've successfully and. Uh, you've successfully developed a uh, made a land steward because you can't just take from far away and move on, right? Like you can't just abstractly extract as you uh, ruin uh, soil. You know, you're you're there. You know, that is what makes that is your living, and and you're a part of it, and there's this reciprocation. So that relationship i think can be realized with systems thinking the right tools and a reimagination of how we organize production equipment so i'll just land it there for now um, thank you
3: yeah um, okay so yeah so um, so i'm going to i'm going to jump in as like um, I think my role in general is to be like a, a <laughs> i am armed with my phd so I can ask dumb questions um so people won't just think I'm just straight dumb but um it, you know it as like a foil you know an outsider or whatever um, to clarify okay so so like uh who are the producers what are they producing um you know who like who are we talking about like like give me some details like you know that normal people can understand um what kinds of things and then how do you know it's like they're that they're land stewards you know how do you how do you like vet that because for me like a a big thing that i'm always worried about is like data how, how people how people become legible you know and um and and measured
2: yeah no great question um you know, it, it, I think it'll end up being a rollout. The early adopters will be folks who are, have intentional communities and uh, eco villages, things like that. Eventually, we'd love to empower farmers, um, but that's a, a lot, kind of a ways to go there. But we, I think we can build a youth case studies in that world of uh, eco villages and whatnot. So, yeah, someone who owns land is interested in making a living off of it and uh, is, yeah, seriously dedicated to doing that, be a place to start. And so what they're making, so I, I did say generally like stuff, right? And I focused on, at this point, uh, value-add food products as a, as a kind of segment to go after. I mean, durable goods are hard and people are working on that. That's the whole, a lot of the circular economy stuff you see is about how to make durable goods. So they're regenerative, great, um, challenging <laughs> food we actually need. So. Uh, giving people the ability to make (laughs) value-added food products on site very good so imagine like you're a farmer you're growing stuff and you have this refrigerator size ravioli maker you know you you have like a few hoppers of materials you load in the flour you made uh, you made some cheese some herbs and then you press go and then out comes package ravioli no problem and so you can uh, that would be an example of what that would look like um Course it can get really complex with being a fuel producer as well like often when you're running these close-up systems there are opportunities to make lots of energy uh, that can be liquid fuels that can be electricity uh, you're making biochar ideally and then really um being sure to make that a part of your system so i i'm better with pictures i have some great pictures that describe this better um, <laughs> but lots of design elements that uh all have their own value um, and then I think I lost track of your questions what's uh, what am I missing and then
3: how do how do you like make sh- how do you like make people legible how do you know yeah. who's doing what
2: right well there are two projects that I'll mention um, one of which I'm involved in the I think it's the 2025 2024 Prize is for the biodiversity in the rainforest And so I'm advising for this team who's trying to figure out how to measure biodiversity uh, within an ecosystem. Uh, They're trying to do it with robots, which, you know, that's just, that's the boundaries of the, the XPRIZE that has to be done autonomously. Um, Whether or not it's the best, I don't know. But there's a bunch of thinking going into, yeah, how do we measure biodiversity in an ecosystem? I think that's a really good measure. If you can successfully do that, like, great. Um, And then there's another, there's a woman I'm, friends with who's figuring out how to get satellites can satellites can like shoot lasers into the ground and measure carbon pretty deeply actually I think up to eight inches or something like that I don't remember the details but um, she's working on how to measure carbon sequestration and soil on farms uh, efficiently using using the satellite it's not totally worked out yet but uh, things like that are decent metrics for how successful someone is and regenerating land
1: yeah Yeah, to to your question actually there there isn't really a there's not like a requirement to be uh a legible land steward per se to be like a uh, somebody who might be interested in buying one of these machines that's that seems like like the question was like how how do we know that the people buying these machines are sort of land stewards or or folks that um that are custodian land or, or or working land it's not there's um that's not really something that's being proved like they're 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 kind of basic um kind of resource like industrial machines like he said his his first machine is um it's an ethanol distillery takes in takes in sugary sugary fuels and yeast and and generates uh, generates ethanol which can then be used in um, by existing like alcohol, alcohol manufacturers, maybe they're using it in existing products. It could be used as an industrial solvents and cleaners. Could be used as a fuel in small engines. Like so, they're it's more like these kind of um, fully automated kind of homestead scale machines. So the, the mention okay. of the land stewardship and the eco village and this kind of thing, they're not necessarily constrained to that context, but they're they're sort of in the in the constellation of big giant factory machine that requires several employees full time to run to your kind of diy in your kitchen like like science kit these are like premium uh industrial kind of automated machines but at small scale um so they're kind of cost effective for for you know let's say the the farm operator or the or the the the, yeah the eco village to to purchase and then use um to produce what is usually being made at huge scale um, at the at the smaller local scale to be used locally in processes.
3: Let me ask you- um, Okay, I'm just gonna repeat back. Go Wait, ahead. I just wanna repeat back to make sure I understand and then Jason, you ask a question. So like, okay, so, um, so you guys are, you're not necessarily like the arbiter of who's being a good land steward or anything like that. You're just empowering people to, to produce things at a smaller scale. With appropriate uh, machines to work at those scales, with the assumption that working at smaller scales um, will have lower carbon footprints, which is which I agree with.
1: Right, we're we're okay. like building building tools and and lowering the friction to working at smaller scales, so the folks that okay. are interested in doing that already can can do it.
3: Okay, cool. Sorry, Jason, yep. you go. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I'm wondering. Um, so. In terms of like the business model, is this is this meant? Because so so right now, it's it, and correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the business model is you sell these machines. Uh, and I saw your video about the distillery. And your vision is a bunch of kind of small scale manufacturers. Uh, they sell to kind of like a cooperative, which then kind of achieves some kind of scale and, and marketing. Um, but are you, are you seeing this as a kind of proprietary model where you're selling proprietary machine to these communities? Um, or are you seeing it eventually moving to kind of like, so for example, the open source ecology, like their, their model is, you know, we upload kind of the designs, we hold workshops that people can learn how to, you know, basically build the machines themselves. I'm wondering how, how you think about that business model.
2: That mm, was a great question and love to unpack that with you. Yeah. I mean, as a lifelong maker, the maker movement is very dear to my heart. And uh, you know, I was screwing together pieces of wood <laughs> before I was in elementary school building, whatever. My dad was a, I was very lucky. My father was a carpenter. So I was like, mm, picked up my first welder when I was nine and built a forge and then <laughs> you know, like, you know the, the world's smallest blacksmith. It's probably not true. Um, and and so, after, like going down that path, like that, it, it's so resonant with me to say, yeah, give me plans. I have access to tools. I can make anything. Uh, it's kind of a position of privilege, right? It's hard to actually be at the intersection of the competencies and access and the time to make your own machine, because um, you know, in the end, what you need to be doing is making the product, right? You need to be making the alcohol to make a living and um, Tinkering is fun, but it's like the the path to having that is sometimes a little too fictitious. And I'm just saying this for the distillery, for example, like the answer is yes, you know, it'll be open. I don't know how many people will actually really be able to engage it. I'd rather get you financed with a machine that works and, and make sure you have the support you need to keep it running. Um, than require people to, you know, have roll up their sleeves and, and build the thing. Um, and I think that open source ecology did a really good job of identifying what can you do that way. And it's fantastic. They've got a whole slice of stuff that, yeah, you, you've got the wherewithal, you can you can do that, and and, and people should. Uh, and then, yeah, there's a whole world of machines and tools that I don't I don't to what extent they fall in that category. But more specifically for the distillery, the where I see that kind of vision happening is. A lot of people already have distilleries. A lot of people already have small distilleries. And what the only thing that makes mine special is the automation box, which is, it's a, it's a high technical lift, but it removes most of the labor. So that's what brings the cost down so you can actually enter into the market. Um, and so the, one some, an echo throughout this project has been, you know, maybe it won't even need to be the distillery I sell. It might just be the automation box.
0: Mm -hmm. so
2: that anyone who built a distillery wants to build a distillery can have access to that layer of sophistication um, to have all the benefits of that. Mm
3: -hmm. You talked about, Um,
0: do you wanna go Ashley?
3: Wait, I got a a question just like um, that might help, um, I don't know, lay the groundwork. Um, I'm wondering if either of you are interested in defining or explaining what open source ecology is uh, what's a makerspace, and then maybe Eli, if you want to talk about what an automation box means. I don't know if, like, I, I'm not, I'm not necessary, I'm not sure who's listening or who will be listening to this, uh, if they have any familiarity with these things. Um, So it would be cool if we just sort of like, you know, laid it out there what what these terms are, uh, these, yeah, these groups,
1: sort of contrasting like maker vibes, maker movement with sort of prepackaged products. That sounds great.
3: yeah and and like literally specific specifically open source ecology is like a thing it's like a group of people doing something it would be good if you guys defined what that was and then a make maker space is like a term i've heard used it'd be cool if you defined it in your own words that kind of thing
2: um yeah i guess i can open source ecology actually jason you might know them better than i do um it's basically yeah, do you want to go for it, Jason? Who's open for psychology?
0: <laughs> well, it, you know, it's it, a, a guy started it, Marshine, uh Dubowski. Is, is that his name? Um, yeah, I mean, his his basic idea, and I don't I don't know him personally. I've you know listened to a podcast. You know, I've, I've seen his, some of the materials and stuff. It's basically this idea that you can have kind of a, a global commons of design uh, for physical uh, machines, basically, uh, he, he has what he calls kind of the civilization tool set that they're working on toolkit, like a hundred machines that you can basically bootstrap a civilization with, uh, like bread makers and tractors and, you know, uh, and so his idea is he basically develops the prototypes, uh, uploads them. Other people can tinker with them, upload their adaptations, uh, then part of the model is a lot of workshops that, you know, people can go to workshops to kind of learn how to use tools to build circuit makers and you know, the thing, things of that nature to, you know, welding. And, um, and basically the idea is empowering local communities to use kind of, you know, as much as possible, locally sourced materials to, to build their own machines, basically. Um, do you want to add anything to that description? James, are you lying?
2: No, it sounds complete to me.
0: Okay. Uh, and we're contrasting that with the, the maker movements. Uh, what is the maker movement?
2: What is the maker movement? Yeah, I mean, the, the maker movement is I guess it was, this, it was this movement that was started to encourage people to really take production into their own hands. The 3D printer is kind of the poster child. Um, it's this notion that if you give people the meta means of production, that is like tools that make things, then they could make stuff that makes things um, or make whatever they need. And so having those like fundamental universal tools, cheap and accessible, um, I think the, you know, with open plans kind of like what they're doing over uh, at the, um, the thing you described, and so it, yeah, the maker movement is a good reference point for me because I've been kind of in, I've been in the play space of like, okay, where exactly do you put the lines of uh, ownership or uh, responsibility between, you know, a large company who's making stuff and like the small produce, you know, the the small independent sovereign person, um, and yeah, I think the nuance there really matters, I. I don't know how you measure success of, of the maker movement or not, but I think it's, it's, it's asking for an evolution where, you know, you can whatever it takes to get people making things is kind of my, <laughs> kind oh, of the way I see it, right? That's the, the goal is people making making their own stuff. And so the, I have already kind of described where I'm at with it is what people can make good, fully empower that. um and then make sure Sure. that what's not as accessible is made accessible through productization of those production equipment so that people who need to actually the people who need to be making stuff for their own economic sovereignty can (laughs) it's kind of an i think uh, an important part of it is is the access question
0: yeah um it seems like um what you're kind of envisioning is kind of a, a little bit of a plurality of approaches and I'll I'll relate this to just a a, some Twitter interactions we had with with Joe Norman a little while ago as well in a different sense where you see you know a role for kind of what you're doing of like you know say somebody doesn't have the skill set and they don't really have the time or the luxury to learn it or the skills or the inclination to to learn how to build a distillery for example that they can buy the machines and focus on you know the production of you know the actual alcohol and and value added products and things of that nature. Um, so, but there's a, you're saying there's kind of a space for for both. Um, and what you what you and Joe were talking about just a little bit ago was um, this notion of in, in the in the in the context of farmers, you know, the family farm and the commons. And you were kind of saying that you don't really see. Kind of the future being centered around kind of family farmers but more of like kind of commons with multiple families um, and is, it, there seems to be an intersection here that's interesting to me where you know what is you know i guess the broader question is what is the scale of production right um, and so if people you know you're saying individuals kind of buy their own machines or communities or eco village buys a distillery and they sell it you know, as a product from that eco-village or an individual. Uh, what do you see kind of the net, the dynamics of kind of nested scales of commons? You can say, and, and what, what I mean by nested scales of commons, you know, we had we've had this conversation with other folks, you know, you can you can consider families as being a family as being a commons, right? And it's kind of like a almost like a base layer of commons. Um, and so uh yeah, do you want to, I don't know, either you or James or, or you and Ashley want to, <laughs> I don't know, impact kind of your thinking around this
3: I, I'm just going to like, yeah, you- I would just like to tack on to that question. Like, I think there is the sort of um, commons utopianism that exists, which is just like, yeah, the commons, let's do it. And it's like, um, okay, how? <laughs> I mean, there's like, there are issues with um, managing common spaces um, a lot of common that have existed historically um, developed through an iterative process of really strong cultural ties and norms norms, etc etc so I think in in general I, I just take a very skeptical view towards like let's just do the commons you know it's more just you know how and I'm, I'm open to them I'm agnostic I, I don't have a I have a dog in the fight, but I, I think there's, um, you know, getting into the details is 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 interesting to me.
2: Definitely. Um, so the first thing you said, which I thought, which I just want to touch on, utopian visions. I feel like every utopian vision becomes a uh, totalitarian. <laughs> like, it, it becomes totalitarian and implemented. Uh, hard,
3: hard agree. Hard agree on that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah there's definitely reasons to be skeptical of a utopian vision of commons like wow it sounds like no one has anything um perhaps but yeah the common i've been reading up on it a little bit more recently uh eleanor ostrom is this economist that i just strongly recommend anyone uh, look up because she's her ideas are super important and just not actually well represented unfortunately she won the nobel prize eventually but that was after like decades of her doing of research. And I think being a woman, at a, that was a hard, it was a hard time to be a woman economist, I think with a big idea, um, unfortunately. So, and also ideas that upset lots of powerful people, which was about the commons, right? She was like, no, like we actually can trust each other. Um, you know, she, she could find examples. Like there are these little societies to your point, um, they have, you know, long cultural history uh, she's like, well, what, what did they have going for them? Like, why, why did it work there? And why doesn't it work over here? And like, where should you use the commons was kind of a greater question she had. Because um, there's there's three basic ways, or there's one way One way to look at it, is that there's three ways to do stuff. You can have governments, you can have private entities, uh, and then people self-organizing. This is like not often talked about way to accomplish things. Um, Often you have people, fight, you know, arguing over one or the other of either, you know, regulations or, or markets, fighting as if either one was the only solution. But really, it's, it's 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 a toolkit, and you know, self-organizing over the commons is a tool. It's a hammer, but not everything's a nail, right? So first you have to understand where it works, <laughs> where it doesn't, and 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 use it accordingly. But what? My, the big takeaway for me from Eleanor Ostrom's work was she identified eight basic, you no, know, seven design parameters for creating collaborative groups. So, like, or creating an environment where self organizing is feasible by identifying what those conditions were in, in other uh, cultures. And when you look at them, there's nothing esoteric. It's like common vision. Um, you need to have rewards and uh, you need to have accountability and, like, you know yeah. all these things that you look at it you're like yeah this assembled makes a whole bowl it makes a full bowl that doesn't leak goodwill it just it holds <laughs> it holds the goodness and if you're missing anything you know you've got a problem um, and often you can look at that list and think to yourself yeah I've had a job where we just didn't do one of those things or clearly in this scenario like one of these is just missing um, and so there is a model that's she put a ton of work in to say if you want. People to self-organize over the commons you have to have them operating within these uh within these characteristics that are conducive to it and if you don't it's going to go really poorly <laughs> it's kind of her her thing so um it was a good extension of the story of the tragedy of the commons where it kind of shows the like the good part of the uh, how the sharing the commons can work out and um and for me, it was powerful because it's one of these handholds for building towards a future that is, that does empower people to um, be stewards of the land and, and um, be members of their own little society and um, without needing any sort of like top down control in all aspects of their life. So it's like, okay, <laughs> how can we do that? And she has an answer. Uh, she has a good comprehensive answer and it's, it's really inspiring to read. Uh, and she talks a lot about the commons and how that can work um, in other ways. One of them that I'll just mention is like people being able to leave a system, like the ability to leave a commons to another to right. vote with your feet <laughs> it actually gives you a tremendous amount of power. Uh, and so when you have too large, if when your consolidated systems get too large, you just you can't leave them, you're stuck there and you, and you don't have the power that you normally have. So distributed systems of commons kind of inherently grant more power to the people who are there participating and on, the, you know, on that level. Um, so that's my little spiel about <laughs> the commons. I'm happy to continue unpacking yeah. it. I think it's well, a important, important it. topic.
0: So you, you have, you've talked about this notion of eco-industrial village networks. Um, and I'm curious, you know, if we're thinking about, you know, the commons as being, you know, a tool set uh, that perhaps is part of a larger meshwork of, you know, different types of organizational uh, incentives and designs. Like, like, where does the commons fit into, say, you know, your ethanol d- distillery? Is it? Is it in terms of the marketing like a bunch of individual producers who are producing privately are then pooling their product to as a commons to sell to a larger market right so that already there's already like You know this idea of different types of structures you have you're selling to a market you're aggregating as a commons you're producing privately. Do I have that right? And 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 I guess more broadly, how do you see this notion of the commons uh, fitting into eco-industrial village networks? Like like where where does it a uh, you know what is the proper scope of the commons in in, in this model?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're you're pretty much spot on for the ethanol revolution. You know, in, in the ideal embodiment. You, person owns the machine they have the they have the right to create and market their own product and bring that to their local market but they also have access to the common uh the common um, cooperative and and have that they have the benefit of the commons and also the agency to not participate if they, like if the the uh, cooperative isn't treating them right they can go do it themselves so they I, i'm a part of the mission the goal is to create a cooperative that is generous uh, to, to the, to the producers and finding resiliency in that, in that, you know, if some other company wanted to dominate in the typical ways by trying to take, by trying to like optimize, by taking from the producer, you know, they're, never, they're not going to give up the sovereignty they have. Um, and so I, you know, having the cooperative be really dependent on the producer's success and having a more balanced relationship, I think makes the cooperative more more resilient. Um, It's a little off topic, but I wanted to add that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so the commons and the eco-industrial village network, you know, the eco-industrial village network is a concept that came about when I asked myself, what does it look like to create an environment for human thriving where people can be good for the world and each other and not just trying to be less bad but actually do the productive work of regeneration and be rewarded for it um, and the it's it's a it's a bunch of land projects within the land project you know it'll be an ethanol revolution probably like a distillery through the cooperative in every single one um, similar models for other pieces of production equipment and, and products and markets all of which is shared commons i mean that's the part I've been thinking deeply about. Mm. Um, but the agricultural land might be a really interesting commons to share um, mm. if done properly. I think that having, having a commons like that allows more inroads for building equity and contributing and participating to that nascent society. Um, and I done well, I think it's a great opportunity to. To be able to invite people in warmly to have stake in it um, but there's there's so many layers to that there's so many layers to building, building a network of societies there's uh i don't know I, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on the rest of the commons commonses but that's, yeah. that's what comes to mind
0: well this i mean i don't want to dominate dominate the question so ashley or James, if you want to jump in feel free i, I do have another something i could follow up on
3: <laughs> oh, go for it! Go for it.
0: Okay. Um, where was I? Never mind. I forgot. So I, <laughs> it's going to come back. So you <laughs> do James.
3: James, I, we haven't heard from you for for a bit. I'm wondering um, your thoughts on these topics.
1: Um, well, I, I guess the, the questions around commons, commons utopianism, kind of uh, these kind of questions. Where my where my head is on that and um, is uh, that what the folks uh, coming from the the like decentralized software cryptocurrency um, sort of web 3 like this, this is like whole world of, of folks that um, that that um, get a lot of knocks on them rightfully for being uh, uh, making a lot of utopian noise about what what they think that they're building and and the kind of, you know, hyper capitalist sort of markets that will that will uh, align all incentives globally through crypto economic systems. And like, this, this, there's, there's a lot of hopium. There's a lot of like big talk. There's a lot of this kind of carrying forward of, of the, the sort of vision of like, oh, well, if you know, if, if we just uh, pay everyone and, and, and they like each other, then they'll get along. And it's like, yeah, but the second part though, they like each other is like a huge, <laughs> right? these, these, these systems don't like the economic systems don't solve the social problems. So when it, when it comes to like, like you're saying, like tragedy of the commons, like you're, you're running commons, you have a group of people, how do you get them to all, you, you're starting to see at least where, where, where I start to see the, the, the projects coming out of, you know, and this is, again, this is kind of diverging from the the decentralized manufacturing and physical stuff that Eli's building, but, but bringing in the, the software side of things, you have some contingent of um, folks in the sort of um, broader kind of Venn diagram of kind of crypto punk uh, libertarian um, kind of patchwork folks that think that, that, that you know they're like super property rights um, super, super kind of uh, internal local currencies for markets between people, um, and then you and then you, you have another uh, a more kind of um, commons focused, maybe left um, kind of uh, and and utopian utopianist thinking on both sides of the the sort of markets will solve all of our problems and. Um, you know, communication tools for yeah, for or cooperation
3: people. coordination, right? Like,
1: like Slack, like, like a better Slack is what we're missing to operate the commons, right? Like, like if, like if we had a, if we had a, a, an encrypted peer-to-peer messaging app that had all the right features and lets you like send tokens for of appreciation to your friends, like, then, then, then we would, we would, we would get to where we're, we're trying to go. <laughs> and it seems like you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of. Um, great thinking and great experiments utopianism
3: in part right it is utopism,
1: but Going the part, I do, yeah. see, the part yeah. I do see trying to try that that can potentially do this is that there is a lot of um, interesting juice for me in um, in this idea of um, of local local economies right we're talking like circular economies local economies what does that really mean in this in this new wave of, of kind of uh, technology or at least economic technology. Um, I don't know enough about the the specifics of like the commons to say whether we can really like uh, escape from the sort of enclosure tactics of capital. But the, the crypto technologies that are coming out are capital technologies, but they do allow for really interesting uh, phenomenon, which is the truly local currency, which is like I can spin up a currency uh, at minimal cost, distribute it to only to um, the folks that I want it to be distributed to, um, and then collectively as a group, whether that's a large group or a small group, we can, we can sort of um, you know, lay subjective value over that, that currency and start to um, transact it between ourselves this isn't a new thing. There have been local currencies, plenty of local currencies in the past where you had communities that, that kind of ran their, their own local currencies. You could, you know, and there's an examples, even more commercial examples like loyalty points and, and credits and like all these kind of things. Um, but when you marry that idea of being able to, to sort of spin up local currencies um, that sort of out of the box, create a, um, an economic, you know for better or worse an economic cluster of like economically aligned individuals um with uh, this idea of um with with this idea of um this sort of like patchwork um like he, he was mentioning like exit like your ability to exit a commons and move to an, an, another place you have like a like a poly currency system um where there is juice for some of these social tokens, there is juice for some of these local currencies that could enable like circular economies within a local place. Um, I'm starting to see some really interesting work in that. I'm starting to see um, what, I, what I've just been referring to as village tech recently, which is, um, it is that sort of, maybe it's utopian, but it is sort of that like better slack. If we had it, it would work. But it what it is, is it, it's sort of bringing in um, the social tools that you need to communicate, share and share resources and information. So that is your chatting. That is your posts. That is your, your kind of document library. That is your, your sort of digital, digital information, kind of like a you know, like the info store, like the like the classic, I don't know, In some of the, the sort of like anarchist communities or some of the more punk communities, you have the, the sort of info store idea of, of like, this is where you go and get the literature. This is where you go and get the info. This is where you go. People, people are printing their new things. Like the, the, the kind of, a lot of the utopian people, they point at things like the whole earth catalog. Like right? the whole mm-hmm. earth catalog was this sort of uh, maker movement before the maker movement in the 60s. It was just this catalog of like how to grow your own stuff and build your own stuff and hack your own stuff. And like, we're going to do it like back to the land. We're going to go and and almost all of that just sort of sort of fell flat in the face of um, it was pre-internet, you know, well, the internet kind of came. It was, it was like coincident with the development. of the internet, so it wasn't really it was pre pre-social tools. Um, so you do see some new social tools and currencies as information systems. So um, bringing together your communication tools, your Slack, your posts, your document library, your resource sharing, your your blueprints, your 3D printing models, your uh, how to build your tractor from the ecology group um, with the ability to spin up local currencies. Um, and I see really interesting groups that are trying things like time banking, trying things like, you know, if, if you create a, you know, can, can you, can you spin up a local currency for a land project that then is, is also equity in that project or is also um, can you, if you're spinning out companies or projects from a a group, can you assign ownership in those projects and and people? And and can you do these economic alignments of, of folks to, um, help with some of this. Cause in terms of like the true commons, like it's unowned. It's, it's hard for me. I, you know, I don't, I don't have the the wherewithal to say like, yes, we that's accomplishable. Cause like at this, you know, I think the classic, like at this stage in like capital development (laughs) and the sort of financialization of the world, um, like like financial, financialization is, is sort of like munching everything. Um, and, and it's, and the folks that at least in, in this decentralized software world that I see that are trying to do, it's like, well, okay, if we're going to financialize everything, if, if, if there's like an inexorable march towards the financialization of, of the world and the attempt to sort of quanti- quantify ca- uh, value, um, can we inject human judgment and subjective value back into capital systems by creating local currencies and by creating um, the NFT, which is like 99.9% grift, but like (laughs) 0.01% really interesting cool stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and that point of one percent is a lot because it's huge. So like even a very small amount of like interesting stuff is, is like enough interesting stuff that you could never keep up with all of it. Um, and um, so so when you when you have these kind of tokens that aren't even aren't even exchangeable um, tokens in in a sense that you can go one to one and they're all you know the term is fungible right like one a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. These are specific, context rich representations of value that can be digitally handed around so that might be information that might be
0: favors that might be reputation um and ecological health that's what like like regen network like that that's their goal right it's like you if you could quantify ecological health um you know in in a way that's robust which is questionable Um, but if you could you know and you can back currencies based on on that so I'm just, I'm just adding that example.
1: No, yeah, I, I,
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, and Eli mentioned like the like uh, satellite scanning for carbon sequestration in the soil and, and kind of you have things like, yeah, Regen Network does like soil testing for carbon sequestration. And then it's kind of uh, representing uh, pretty much like sequestered, like what, what is it, a CO2 equivalent, right? Like that's the the metric, that's like the the the. Mar- like carbon markets coming online and and they measure that impact in, in equivalent tons of CO2 equivalent. Um, So there are some of these quantizable things. And, and if there is a quantizable metric that is um, that is actually useful, which like you said, Jason, like questionable, you know, it's, it's like, it's easy, right. It's easy to run. It's, it's, it's easy to get, a, get yourself yeah. into a situation where, where it's like the calorie, right? Like from what I understand of like the history of the calorie as a metric, it's like, right. it's just Are like we, not good. Like
0: it, from Seeing like a state to seeing like an all seeing distributed blockchain that is equally totalitarian.
3: Well, I mean, right. it's the panopticon. It's the pan, I mean, guys, there's the panopticon. You got to like, be afraid of this thing. You don't want to be like come in opening the door for the panopticon first of all second of all I, I want to make another meta comment which is I feel like there are just so many technologies that have the potential to do a million different things and it's un, unclear to me like uh, human beings in their messy realness interacting with these like potential utopian visions or potential totalitarian visions. And for me, like I think I think it's really cool to think about using these tools. Like I'm a person who's literally making a class online for people to learn about homesteading and to like put all their information in one place and so they can find it. But I also want all of those people Um, to be drawn to that online space so that they meet other human beings and then talk to those human beings and then go learn things in real life with those other human beings. So like, I don't know. I just like, I just think I'm just going to make a meta comment that humans are messy. All of these technologies and ideas are extremely new. You have no idea like what's going to happen with them and, or what are the unforeseen things so I, I just like I'm like a fan and also like terrified. I guess is my meta comment. It's
2: totally <laughs>
0: fair, yeah. yeah. Very fair. I, uh... <laughs>
3: um,
1: and it is like these are these are human problems and social and social problems that are not solved by technology and they're not solved by especially not solved by economic technologies. Um, because the fabric of like human life on, on this planet is 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 not economic it's relational it's social um, and it's um, and they're, and, they're, and it's rooted and it's grounded in a physical reality of like, I need to eat this food. I need to, I need, I need these walls around me. So I don't freeze. Like it, there's a lot of these like base foundational things and and it, including the relational, including the, the, the social and, 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 and through the cultural that, right. These tools, they cannot, they cannot replace human interaction. And, and there is a contingent of, you know, and, and maybe, maybe a large contingent of the sort of you know hey smart contracts that way we don't have to talk to each other like uh, you know hey like um, you know just dis- like like reducing thr- reduce the idea of like eliminating trusted third parties but like defining like third parties as literally everyone but you like solipsistic and and they're they're that that kind of like code is law. Like we're going to replace human interactions with transactions and track them all on the blockchain, and it's going to be great because then we're keeping track of everything. It's just like um, no, I, I I I agree. Like it's not it's not how we solve these problems. Um, and like human, like there is not a there is not a reputation system uh, devisable that can uh, uh, replace or even attempt to approach the fidelity and richness of human interpersonal trust. And sociality as the mechanism by which we, uh, like we mentioned earlier, like Eli mentioned earlier, like self organized to to like take care of places. Um, so yeah, I think your meta comment is well received. It's not a it's not a panacea. It's if anything, like like the tools that Eli is developing, like these tools, hopefully can be can um, some of these tools. Some some will be uh, you know panopticon surveillance tech as as you. As you said, because like you know, like the block blockchain universe is is, is total transparency and and um, you know mass surveillance. Um, but there's there's also a and and it's it's where the cipher kind of bring in their their sort of encrypted out of view. Like, can we build these peer to peer mutualistic as as the open source sort of mutualistic side? And the hyper-financialized kind of hyper-capitalist side that yeah. overlap in 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 this, the realm of, of some of these technologies, but are are definitely meaningfully different in how they how they see how they want them to be implemented or how they they think to be implemented. You know, my the my, my hottest take when it comes to these kind of technologies is that um, technologies are are um, you know. Human, humans are, are primarily moral creatures and technologies are, are amoral amoral extensions of our of our senses and our abilities and 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 it's not um, like the technological landscape that's that's going to get us to a place where we're actually taking care of the planet it's but but it might reduce friction to people that are already from their own hearts desiring to take care of the planet uh, and their land and their friends um, but don't have the, don't have the tools to do it
3: yeah, I would just make one small comment. I'm sorry, I'll let other people speak, but I just want to say, I, th- I think we should just think of them as tools over which we are the masters and not like something to worship as an idol. I don't know, like to put it in religious terms, but like it's a tool we can use for an end uh, not like something like oh it's so interesting and amazing and maybe even above our own brains and therefore like let it go we we invented this amazing thing that we should just let fly free without I don't know some sort of reins
2: at the same time though it's like it feels like a macro organism we've created technology with like the IPO machine just it's like this self-generating like, wad of of similar stuff that keeps replicating and uh and growing and it has it feels like it has its own like mind and you know I don't know if we really learned how to euthanize <laughs> macroorganisms as a species. Oh my God.
3: Oh <laughs> okay religion. but I just have to make a funny comment. Um earlier today my husband was watch was reading through Twitter and um was some tweet about that mentioned the word shoes and it like wasn't a tweet about shoes but then twitter asked like is this a tweet about shoes and it was just yes or no and he was just like ai my ass (laughs) and it was just so funny because it's just not like it's not intelligent i mean i don't know maybe i'm this is just obviously one example maybe there's some ai going on out there that we're not aware of or whatever but it's just like I don't know i just i just feel like people are kind of worshiping it in a in a yeah, sort it might be out and, it and and not thinking it.
0: To, to make us think it's not intelligent right yeah get us off, get us off its trail
1: no I, I i think you're i think your point you're pointing,
0: <laughs> you're pointing at something
3: it's
0: trying at to trick us, us. yeah probably is as it, as it's gonna be it'll be tricking the shit out of us well
2: <laughs> i think the <laughs> The, the, the thing I see is like often what we're trying to solve with AI and these technologies are things we actually have faculties for. I, you know, I, I, in some AI rooms, I kind of laugh because I'm like, so you're trying to bring up all these sensors to natural systems. Um, I think what you're going to discover is what people who used to live on the land already knew quite well and were like perfectly qualified
3: yes. to understand
2: and, and interpret. And like, yeah, you just need a person who cares over there. <laughs> and they're, well, they're going mean- to do... Far better so the, the reinvention is, of indigenous wisdom through ai is this like tragic comedy that i'm watching unfold it's not the whole thing but it's like a little piece that i think it's funny
3: yeah i also think it's the same thing is true with like the slack comment um, like people know how to be friends. (laughs) We don't actually need to like reinvent friendship through Slack. Um, You know what I mean? I I just feel like, or or people know how to like have relationships with one another. And and, like Slack could just be like this completely adjacent tool that's like, you know, helping to foment the already existing, you know, maybe the Slack is 1% of the 99% of the relationship that's extremely complex and couldn't be made legible. Um, but 1%, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to like offload that 1% into this space so I can search it easily.
1: (laughs) Right. Like the tools like Slack, like you don't, especially when we're talking, like this conversation is kind of rooted in, we're talking about, we're talking about communities, people of people that are co-located on a piece of land and like working it to do things. So, so they're not, you know, but then there are, um, so like they don't need help talking Per se, but but then there, there are there are logistical there are logistical challenges um, that that software can assist with. Like like the you know the vast majority of software making money out there is effectively spreadsheets with really nice interfaces, and spreadsheets are are very useful for for, for managing any sort of any sort of operation, whether that's a farm or or a collection of farms or like a kind of a bioregional thing. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not um, it's not tools to replace uh, like human sociality, but but to sort of, um, yeah, kind of assist, assist, assist in, in in supporting the processes that that are already are already kind of there.
2: I yeah, I think that there is room for. Well, so I'll just I'll just mention some things I'm working on. You know, I the Eco Industrial Village Network is this vision that came about as a not like a specific utopian vision, but a kind of fr- like a framework for you could get. A set of tools and some people and some intention and say okay uh builds your society now uh, your your goal is to treat each other well your goal is to uh, earn a living and, and regenerate the soil um, and then here's all the things you need whether it be industrial tools but i think social tools are really important um especially if, if you're gonna walk a bunch of people typical you know homo economicus into a pro-socially collaborative commons endeavor i think anybody Would have to go through some sort of like personal transformation. Julie acknowledged, like, okay, this isn't an antisocial competitive environment. This is about being a part of nature and um, being a part of a community and maybe a multi generational chosen family or, you know, these things we're becoming less and less familiar with. There is this like transformation required, I think. But then how do you invite someone through that personal growth without forcing them through the extruder of some dogma, right? You want to maintain their sovereignty, their dignity, their agency through that. And um, from that question, I've I've been starting to work with some really interesting people who adding to the toolbox next to the distillery is um, that personal transformation, um, which can be done through, she's spent her life working on it. She has this idea for an app that could help kind of like guide your way to some interesting questions that um, uh, probably have growthful answers and more than I know how to fully describe. But the other one is really interesting is this woman who is, uh, she has, she studied like societies and history and like how societies emerge and what their pieces are. And like, she's been able to identify a countable number of the like, contradictions or tensions you have to resolve as a group of people. And then basically, your society is an expression of which, ran, how you ranked the answers, right? Like you decided that on the spectrum of like personal freedom versus, you know, state control, you're fixed somewhere, and you decided, you know, that was the most important, Then you rank and you rank and you rank. Um, and so she can, she has a paradigm for what she has a model for is building a societal layer on top of, you know, anybody who's trying to do stuff together. Um, of this like guided process that is also reverse-engineerable and therefore like you can diagnose it (laughs) you can understand its pieces and talk about them intelligently um and i think this is huge right like they're i don't know maybe james you can talk about emergent complexity a little bit because i think there's this funny tension in all these cases of like top-down design versus emergent complexity you know kind of where i'm coming at it from an industrial standpoint is give people industrial tools put them in a biosphere have them learn about it and then they can piece together with like Lego bricks, a micro-industrial system that is good rather than having a like, oh, we made something that succeeded here and now we're gonna copy that exact, like, that exact industrial system, that exact societal system and uh, spread it all over the place. So I've been thinking deeply about what, on what layer do you template? You know, where's the toolbox and like, where's the sameness? And then where do you allow for emergent human complexity uh, and that has been one of my primary, at, at a high level, thinking there across technology and, and society building, governance, economics.
3: I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, James. Do you have anything to add?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess in in terms of in terms of sort of emergence complexity and 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 Eli's just comment, I guess I would jump into a bit maybe more of an abstract kind of place and and talk just a little bit about like it's kind of a question of at what, um, yeah, like you like saying like draw the like where do you draw the line in terms of it's sort of like like the granularity of. Um, the specificity of the systems that you're building in like a in a physical way like the built systems on the earth the earth is a surface area there's 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 resources distributed in some manner there's um terrain there's climate there's all there's all these environmental factors and there's there's people that live in those places some of those people evolved with those environments some of those people from much of the planet now did not evolve necessarily with the environments that they that they live in they've moved to those environments um but there is like inform- in sort of a more abstract, I guess, kind of adaptive complex systems lens, like there's information content, there's like in the environment and there's a, there's a, there's a sort of um, the kind of top-down blueprint versus the emergency complexity question is really a question of, of um, you know, at what level of granularity and kind of context specificity to the place that you're building in, are you, are you building it? And if you can uh, push the sort of decision-making as local as possible, if you can create a set of, of basic um, industrial um, and, and kind of like construction and you know, just basic tools for manipulating and, build, and, and, and structuring the environment, give them to folks at a local level and say like respond to your environment directly um you, you know there's and or versus versus uh you know the kind of you, jason mentioned seeing like a state earlier the seeing like a state sort of like centralized like top down kind of um we lack uh, granular specific information as to the context specificity of like you know the local areas all over these places so we're gonna You know, take this one way that we figured out that this agriculture works or this, this method of building works. We're going to copy it. We're going to do it all over the place because when you lack information, I think you have to use a blunt tool. It's like, um, you know, the, the pandemic just gave us a great, great example of this, which is like, we don't know where the virus is. So lock down the whole country. Mm -hmm. Right. Which 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 is like if you if you actually and and then there was like the big a a lot of big backlash, which is like, well, if we had testing infrastructure, we would know where the virus is. And then you could have, you know. Local lockdowns, right? And that's and that's 100 true. If there was granularity to the analytics about where the about about what you had where and what the environmental conditions were where, then you could have, you know, smaller and more precise kind of interventions in the environment to have the effects that you're looking for. If you lack that information, or if you usually through some combination of that information just very obscure or hard to get, or your the your system for your having information is not up to the task. Um, you know you, you have to you have to use these blunt tools and like make take these blunt measures so uh i think you see this like the seeing like a state model the monoculture mm-hmm. the agriculture this kind of thing you have these these examples over and, over and over again yep. of, of taking solutions that were true in some specific context be, but they were very scalable so scale them way up and do and do it all over and you go to you know you like the french roll into fucking african or like hey you're gonna grow a bunch of wheat now and they're like (laughs) i don't know man like we've been growing all this other stuff for a long time like it's it's working doesn't grow here that
3: well and they're
1: like no 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 like you're gonna you're gonna grow all this stuff now and it's gonna be the same and you're gonna do and then like "Mm, decades and we don't have any topsoil anymore right because like you like deplete because you're doing like like solutions that are blunt and like not actually information rich um, and like context specific that are used um, to to um, and that and that lead to like a system overall that is less complex than it could be. Complexity as a as a sort of an umbrella term um, um, be or less um, kind of. Uh, I don't. I hate to use the, even the word efficiency because it's not necessarily efficient. It's it's like robust and in, in a way that's making use of this of the specific resources and and the kind of thing. So I, I think that's an important piece of this this sort of commons or like polycommons, like patchwork of independent local farms whether it's the family farm which interestingly i think you could look at it as a family as a commons you could also look at it as like a hereditary monarchy in a lot of you know part of the world. <So> like, <laughs> like I, I, you know, I i
3: argued on twitter that the family could actually be considered a cult just naturally just it could it could be any of these little, it could be any of little these little things cult,
0: just one know. tiny tiny little cult yeah absolutely yeah, right
2: <laughs> yeah I would love to build I would love to build on what you're saying and go a direction that's going to take me to a something that I've been saying a lot recently that I think is important um, and that is that regenerative systems require the richness of information like that interaction that you're talking about James like regenerative systems have to be responsive and organic in that way right because everywhere is different there's micro climates it's 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 a participatory activity, not a. it's a mutualistic one. It's not a domination-oriented uh, activity. Uh, it has to be done on some levels through uh, emerging complexity of human behavior and response. What's just as a sidebar, I think like what gets scaled and iterated is what people could make money on and control, not necessarily what was most useful, right? Because um, we're, we're talking about we're talking about some heuristics and templates, you know, whether it be for, maybe there is a a universal cultural building sort of like heuristic and um, specific process tools that you need everywhere to make basic goods that can can interact when, you know, organized correctly, but that's being generous. Like (laughs) giving people, scaling those sort of universals empowers other people and gives you a lack of control. but scaling, you know, I, so there's some interesting like lawns, lines being drawn in my head there, sidebar. Um, happy to unpack later. But what I wanted to arrive at was, you have to have richness of information. You have to have this like complex uh, complexity un- unfolding to ha- make regeneration. And when you have regenerative systems, when you have closely regenerative systems, um, it changes a bunch of things that we think about as being problems. Consumption, for example kind of a dirty word like oh no we have too much of that like people consuming stuff is bad so we've done all this work to become less bad Um, but when you close loops in natural systems and you're operating kind of within Kate Raworth's economics donut economics which is basically saying you know there's a minimum amount of stuff you need and there's a maximum that the environment can support and if you're in that range everything's fine so if you're operating in that range and your systems are closed loop consumption turns into participation it can even be an acceleration of regeneration so let's say you're on a farm where you're making biochar and then putting that in the soil participation in that through consumption of food and like just needing stuff from the land can actually put biochar into the soil faster which can actually build your soil faster and can create more um, yeah it's an accelerant of regeneration so i think that (sighs) that's been a salient sort of shift in like how to look at things because you know we're in the world now where consumption means you you take stuff and you turn to a trash pile somewhere else (laughs) but
3: but if it's circular but if it's circular like your you yourself are contributing to the regeneration like the, the 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 process of consuming is is contributing to the process of like you know managing nutrients. I have a meta comment on uh, another meta comment. Um, what if we um, uh, had industrial society? We we did, and then we lost like all this knowledge about how to do traditional things, but then we use the internet and technology to regain those skills (laughs) i think that's like basically my meta comment is that's what what's going on here is that we're like a whole generation who have completely lost a lot of skills and we're just like using the internet to regain them and then like a sub comment to the the conversation you've just been having is um is a little bit of an anarchist perspective of like you know, I don't know, for example, if I'm like trying to do something in our place and I'm looking stuff up, I just like Google a bunch of stuff uh, and then use what works, you know, like p- methods for planting fruit trees or I don't know, managing asparagus plantations. I'm only going to mention perennials because I'm a perennial maximalist. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just sort of think like, I don't know, there, there doesn't necessarily have to be like a top down or dominating force with this stuff. It can just be like tools that exist that people can use at will, which is like the idea of anarchy in general is just sort of like, it's voluntary, all of it's voluntary, you know, so it's just sort of like, you know, pick and choose.
2: Yeah, the, sorry, go for it.
0: No, I mean, I, I keep Uh, turning my mind to this notion of like a minimum viable design specification and relating to what you're just saying uh ashley uh it seems like what you're saying is that the tool itself is the minimum viable design uh, specification or to uh, translate that to what you're doing eli you know the distillery itself or the what what is it the operation box what do you call it oh the automation box automation box might be minimum viable design specification. And then you're like, okay, here's here's an affordance. Um, go, you know, go use it for your private, you know, uh, compound, uh, uh, if you want to call it a, you know, a monarchical or a commons. You know, all of these definitions get very blurry because even commons, the first you know principle of the commons is boundaries. Um, and so it's a kind of a private entity in some ways, uh, just like a family. Um, but it seems like you know i'm wondering if you if you see anything more as a minimum viable design specification in your case besides the technology the the actual physical you know product uh and then perhaps some kind of social tech that you know allows you to coordinate say within a community um you know very kind of basic that's maybe modular and, and you know uh can be specified different ways um and then well anyway i'll I'll let you answer that i I have an i have an extension question but then it's it's just stretching the question too far so go ahead
2: sure yeah i i don't know if it's really the tool or the technology i mean i'm kind of of the mind that we've we have plenty of solutions like we, we had enough technology a long time ago to live sustain, to live in a regenerative way um, and to do just fine. Um, most ideas are pretty good right They are solutions to a problem and they often work but they're just done so poorly. So I feel like the minimum viable tool is like is the heuristic. It's, it feels like it's the intention. it's the why right because that's really what determines the outcome in the end. Uh, is that patterning of behavior, and um, I think there are two basic ways of being in the world. I, I'll organize people into two ways of being. There's people people living in purpose, uh, who are engaged and nurturing and and present and thriving, and there are people living in cycles of self soothing. I've been on both sides of this plenty of times, right? And the cycles of self soothing is what drives consumption and extraction. <laughs> like sort of like unaware lack of awareness and consumption and um the why and so it really is maybe it's the completeness of the toolkit you know are you really addressing the full constellation of needs is your bowl full or does it have holes um for me that's more critical than like a particular like is it the box or is the whole distillery like it I don't know that's where my brain went with that that's so Um,
3: that's such a beautiful answer I have no other question or comment (laughs) besides that's just such a beautiful that's just like that's such a beautiful concept that like technology uh, me paraphrasing technology uh is a tool that is used well by healthy people I don't know it's just like people in healthy communities you know what I mean it's just like I don't know it's just it just reminds me of um i think it was dennis hopper made this comment about like using drugs it's like drugs any drug can open a door but like too much of it can close the same door that that it opens it's like it's this it's this you know it's a tool like like anything else james did you have anything you wanted to add
1: um on 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 this question of I guess the the minimum viable design. Jason, you started this with, or mm-hmm. I guess asked specifically the minimum viable design. I think
0: to I'm allow not- you know it, to, to allow maximum evolution and emergence and diversity of expression across landscape and culture and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's there's
1: the mi- the minimum viable uh, we talked about, he talked about tech, he talked about tools. And I think that like towards Eli's answer, like there is a, there's an idea, this idea of purpose. And there's this idea of, um, of sort of how do we use technology? Like, how do we use tools? Like, like no, no, no individual tool or like specific tool is, is going to get anyone get anywhere that they're not sort of imagining is possible to get to, or have like collectively decided is a good, is
0: a good place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of like, you're going to bring Ivan. You're going to bring in Ivan Illich Andrew. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to, Um, go ahead.
1: Uh, I was I was gonna br- I was gonna bring in Christopher Alexander first, oh, uh, okay. which 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 dovetails very nicely with Ivan Illich. Okay. Um, but I, I think that there's um, I have I haven't reading a lot of Illich recently actually. Um, and and also. Uh, and also Christopher Alexander's, who's who's a great uh, a great teacher of mine or has been um that I've I've been doing a lot, a lot of research and studied with with the building beauty uh program like the school he started in Italy and like I've been engaging with that world some but where they both tap into and where they both pointing at I think is is that like one of the original uh I don't know talk, call it a decentralized coordinating technology but it's um it's it's uh, effectively, um, you know, morality. Uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, mor- morality as, as, a, as, a, as a decentralized hu- yeah, human coordination mechanism. Uh, and um, what the industrial age has, has brought with it is sort of a bunch of groups that were like locally moral that then started running into each other. Um, this morality and these ideas about what is good and what is moral in the world um very much acted as um uh constraints on on the sort of activities that they would that they would do things that they would build like just like what they thought was 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 wrong wouldn't, was was just generally not done and i think what you see in what you see in modernity that's the big boogeyman word modernity but uh what you what you see in modernity is um and the industrialization process and the financialization and the kind of unleashing of, of capital i think it's you know it's like the classic um sort of culture started mashing into each other they started meeting each other these different moral 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 frameworks were like wait a minute we don't actually make sense in contact um so everything's breaking down you know and then, and then eventually you get to the point where like some german guys like, okay, god and you killed him and like everything's fucked um uh, i don't know if this isn't the radio i guess you can say that but um so what, what what i think it what it takes to like really get to a place is and, and this is where i was going to bring christopher alexander christopher christopher alexander points that as um pretty much why we can't make beautiful stuff anymore um is 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 a like is a a deeply rooted kind of foundational like conceptual relationship to the universe and the world and each other that is like scientific and reductive in a way that, um, you know, renders, renders like, uh, you know, nature uh, as separate from us as, as separate from man and separate from from people, um, and therefore um, the whole paradigm of like nature being this regenerative system that like I'm fucking up and now I need to go and do something specific to like regenerate. Like there's that, that, that whole sort of, uh, split and distance, um, is a, is part of a of, of a of a conception of of the world that that sort of renders yeah renders the the resources and the materials that we're using and like all the kind of conversation we've been having here and all the language we've been using around economic language and and kind of resource and extraction and value and all this stuff there's a there's a there's a relationship to matter and like stuff and like dirt and like rocks and like materials and like trees and like all this stuff as like unintelligent unthinking like inert stuff even i'm made of that same stuff i just happen to be a very complicated clump of those wiggles and therefore i have this experience that emerges from this very complex clump of wiggles and um there's a there's a question of i have no idea how to get there I don't, I don't know what to do uh, to, to get there. Other people uh, have, have attempted, to, attempted to answer the question, but it's like a, a reconceptualization and sort of a re it's not, it's not quite, but it is a sort of a remystification or a re um, conceptualization of a relationship to the world and to the universe that Christopher Alexander lays out that has space for the systematic mechanical powerful and and constantly useful descriptive power of of the sort of scientific industrial um, approach to engaging with the world and a personal emotional and feeling relationship with um, you know kind of everything there is with the materials that we're made of and also the world is made of and and, and 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 an inherent relationality to our environment that that is I think maybe maybe something of the difference between the kind of people who I say are living with purpose and are are kind of like driven to like be they're not like effortfully mindful per se they're 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 in relationship to their environment um, versus a, a sort of um, folks especially in, in in countries like ours that are like highly individualistic highly atomized places that. Um, you know, don't have that like kind of relationship with their environment that that uh, allows them to like care for their farm like they would their sister or
0: their mother or their their daughter, or they're just not able to given the pressures of the broader society, right? Um, it's you know, a lot, of, like a lot of you know. I know that there's like tension talking about regenerative agriculture world where you know, people push back and say, it's not that farmers don't want to take care of their land. They, they love their land, you know, they, they love ecology, but they they just can't make a living. They, they can't have a livelihood because they're embedded in a larger system that is extractive, right? And so they have to compete. They have to get big, you know, get bigger, get out. Right. Use the chemicals, things of that nature, yeah.
1: Absolutely, where Illich comes in and talks about uh, and talks about that 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 exact problem, where it's not a it is it's not just a matter of like oh well if you you know um, you know journaled enough and like realize that you were one with everything, <laughs> like you would be a farmer too and like you'd take care of it and be good. Like no, it's like you're embedded in a culture and a system that dr- drives itself and produces itself in uh, certain ways through certain, certain things. And there's a, in the, in the, um, you know, capital environment, in the financialized environment, there is, um, a whole, uh, world of, of, um, there, there are things that there are things that are valuable in, in terms that you can value them in an economic sense. There are, these things are generally quantifiable. And then there's a whole sort of, Of you know like like the cosmology that christopher alexander talks about and this relationality thing like this is not, um you know it's priceless in a a true sense in in a sense that it's it's in the economic paradigm it's in it's in the shadows it's like Illich's word in the shadows where he talks about how in the economic world there's all this all of this just like huge chunk of our human experience that is just like not it's just unseen it's just obscured by um the legibility of the capital system and this the 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 necessary legibility that the the sort of state state capital uh industrial system requires to to run them to run the machine the machine requires machine legibility Right. The blockchain requires and the AI thing. And like your the comments on AI and, and the sort of, is this a tweet about a shoe? It's like, like what, what that is, is like, you know, the machine requires machine legibility. It requires discrete quantifiers, uh, qualifiers. It describe it, it, it requires, it requires this, this kind of thing that leaves out, um, it leaves out this question of of of, of sort of uh, morality and purpose and like the deeper like emotional experience of of the of the human. That is like what what Alexander's talking about. Like he's coming at it, you know. He's an architect. He's not. He's not talking about it abstractly in a in a spiritual kind of way where you know we're all structurally one and like we're all you know part of this big like yeah he brings those people in he talks about whitehead and and bohm and and like the buddhists and like all these kind of like oneness and wholeness vibes but he's coming at it from like a no like I'm building buildings mm-hmm. and I need to build nice buildings that people actually like living in and. Um, that generate life themselves, and um, and, he make, and he makes a lot of, makes a lot of really really beautiful points about about it. it's not um, it's not an abstract or even or even a like in, uh, you know kind of cognitive relationship or like a concept um, an abstract concept of like you could be you could think of yourself in relationship to the world in this way, and it might make your behavior you know, change. No, it's like, actually like you are structurally continuous with the environment Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and, you know, in a real connected, like biopsychosocial way, um, are, are continuous with it. And, 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 but like you say, like when you're embedded in a system of, uh, when you're embedded, when you're the farmer, that's embedded in a system of capital that like needs to pay the bills and keep the lights on and like Mm -hmm. buy the food, like, it's not a it's not a simple it's not a simple easy thing. And I, I think that's I you know, I, I think that causes a lot of like our I don't I don't know, it's something like our morality lags our uh, uh, means of living in alignment with our morale kind of thing. Or or precedes rather. Our, our morality like precedes our our ability to live in alignment with it, like there's this gap. So I, I think if, if, especially if you've gone through like some sort of personal transformation process like Eli mentioned before and come to a place where like, oh wow, I like, I, I do care about this stuff. I do see what we're talking about here. I do see why this is important stuff. So, and then it's like, wow, my life is like way shittier now because I just like, I can see <laughs> all of this. I can see all of the, this disgusting like like damaged like state of the world, like so much clearer now that you know i'm you know now i'm actually you know potentially like less even less prepared or less motivated to attempt to, to, to try to help because like i have like this idea of like what's right that is in
0: tension with like everything i'm seeing around me and in, in society if that tension and- gets too strong then the utopian totalitarian tendencies can come out well, if yeah. you, I think dominating that, to avoid domination it creates a yeah.
1: crisis. It creates a yeah. crisis experience. I think you I think that's spot on. I think it creates a crisis experience. I think I feel. I feel like I've talked to plenty of people in this mode, where there's like personal transformation and sort of realization of the like terribleness of things, or like just just like realization of, of the sort of like misalignment or like unhealth of of maybe you know some some parts of society, that then creates this crisis situation. When a person is in crisis and they're looking for um, reasons or solutions, um, they're highly susceptible to being offered reasons and solutions, bottom line. And and I think that, like, because these problems that we're facing in terms of these, like, global scale, like, ecological problems, and that's why I think the, 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 like, sort of like localist emerging complexity is such an important paradigm because what it does takes these like you know climate change or something like one of these problems that's this like impossibly huge multifaceted multi-dimensional you can't nobody can wrap their head around it nobody can even like think clearly about what to, what to, what to necessarily do and like takes it and it's like no like go find a piece and like take care of it and then and like and like we'll get a lot of other people to like go and find pieces and take care of it and like mm-hmm. I think that these huge problems, create these crisis situations for, for, for folks, or for whole groups, which are then susceptible to, yeah, like the utopian, like the folks that are selling utopian visions or the folks that are selling totalitarian visions with utopian flavors or just like any, any, any kind of things. And I think that there's natural disasters just historically have been really, have been a really, I think uh, many examples of, of this kind of thing. There's this great book, Doom by, uh, what's his, what's his name? He's like an economic historian. Um, Doom. And and it pretty much, it's like a theory of history. It's like him going through history and, uh, and walking through uh, natural disasters, like the natural disasters that, where it's like, uh, like, you know, the same like historical events that were like, you know, you, you might read them in another place as like, Oh, well, there was this social movement and like these people or like, you know, there was this political movement and there were these tensions and like, social things going on. But then like, he's like, no, actually there was just a massive earthquake. So this religion was the most organized and like everyone went to church because they were like, what the fuck's going on? Like, it's, it's <laughs> oh like, my God. It's, it's, it's like, so there, there, there's like things like, this examples of this where there's like crises that are totally out of control that then I think create a lot of, uh, um, you know, psychological exploitation capability or, or opportunity for-, yeah. for- and the folks, the utopian folks aren't. I'm not even. You know, some of them are maybe malicious, but they're not necessarily. You know that they're, they're, there's. I don't a lot know. Of being... Like
3: Jason and I have talked about this a little bit. I don't know if he agrees with me, but I've said to him several times that like I just think crisis equals like uh, cults. Like you know, I don't know. People want explanations for things. They and then you know people who are like strong leader types will take advantage of the fact that people like want e- easy explanations and then um you know we'll kind of glom around these these groups and i feel like i th- feel like the strongest capacity that people need at the moment are is like a level head and to just not buy into you know all all encompassing explanations um such as bitcoin solves this um But instead thinking like, you know, Bitcoin might solve one tiny part of it or whatever. I also have a a meta, another meta comment, which is that it's wild that like, um, all of the, these people like you guys who are, um, it seems to me, you know, open to the fact that technology can help solve things are also like, (laughs) what, I don't want to say hippie, but like, um, like into tune with the the uh interconnection of all things and energy in the universe or something whatever you just you you get what i'm saying and um it's so funny because joe norman who's always he's uh he's a fellow doomer optimist is always talking about christopher alexander and he's like hard-nosed you know statistical analysis what'd you say
0: i thought he was an answer he no he specifically Differentiated himself as an uncertain pragmatist. Anyway. Oh, was, he, yeah. Okay.
3: Okay. That, that, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. He's, yeah. As opposed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's and, that's, and that's, and that's like a perfect way to, um, to, to show that Joe Norman is like, he's like, I'm not, I'm not taken up by cults. I'm, I believe in, uh, I believe in like statistical analyses of things, et cetera, et cetera. But then he loves Christopher Alexander. So it's just this funny thing. Cause like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just standing um, our generation for having the ability to like hold these really wild uh, worldviews and approaches to reality in mind at once. And I think it's just I don't know. I just feel like really hopeful about um, the ability of of um, you know people who think this way and you guys to to like solve complex problems by like approaching them with this like multifaceted um, perspective. So, yay, you guys are cool.
0: Why don't we um, move towards wrapping up. Uh, we've been going for over an hour and a half. Um, Eli, do you want to uh, talk some more about kind of, you know, so you're putting out this, this product now, like what's your, do you have like a five year, I know you're, you're talking about like something, something with mushrooms. Um, are you thinking of joining one of, are you, are you thinking of joining one of these communities that these eco-industrial villages uh, in, you know, the the network of, of villages that you know <laughs> you're talking about. Well, network implies that it's going to arise. Do you want to talk a little bit more about you know where where you're moving this? And you can you can of course integrate any anything else we've said as well.
2: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I made a multi-year plan, and the first. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff happens and in, in the meantime, I do end up in an eco village and I really like the idea of not just necessarily being embedded in one but the network like kind of floating through the network and doing what I love, which is helping people figure out how to make stuff. <laughs> I I love making things so um, and uh, even more I love helping other people make stuff so. I've kind of always been an orbiting human. I'm, I've never really embedded myself in much of anything. I've, I, I can orbit for a long time around something, and be like, okay, this is definitely where I want to be, and then I'll... But I like doing figure eights across the different uh, galaxy constellations of things. Um, and so right now, yeah, I'm in a really meta position right now. I'm trying to look at it metasystemically as big as I can and what I'm seeing is there's a movement already. I mean, eco-villages exist. There's these networks of them that already exist and they have common problems with, around having a real economic uh, solution that is also inclusive, All right? This is a, <laughs> a really gnarly problem for a lot of these, these, these projects. And um, I'm coming forth with what I think is a part of the solution. I'm really interested uh, in, in implementing that is far and wide as I can, because I think that these people are really building little pockets of the future that I would like to live in, that I can be proud to hand down. And it feels inevitable anyway, but better sooner than later, for sure. So you know, I think the reason it's challenging is there are very few people who sit at the intersection of getting it in the way you've kind of described, Ashley, and also the um, competency and access to world building and like tool building, mm-hmm. like going to the end <laughs> of product development and bringing that through supply chain. This is like very small Venn diagram of folks who can operate that way, who can carry that intention into manifestation and meta-manifestation from tools. Um, so I, I feel... In- compelled to do that to just sit there at that really uncomfortable, lonely uh intersection of those two things and grow it as much as I can. And you know, the I sent up a yeah, I I opened a room on Clubhouse almost over a month ago now called Eco Industrial Village Networks. And it has it's been intense. You know, it's kind of like pinch me. The people who are showing up are amazing. Um they're almost doing an about face whenever they realize what's going on and what i'm what i'm seeing and what i'm kind of instigating and the the desire for participation is intense um so i'm gonna keep doing that too we're gonna keep keep the the beacon bright and um because it it isn't it isn't one solution it's not a silver bullet it is a coordination of mutually aware self-aware solutions integrate together and that's the big shift i think that we're going to be seeing from business especially it's like don't just be a competitive you know one trick pony no it's it's about coordination and, and collaboration with the intention of enriching people and the and, and our soils fundamentally um, kind of overcoming the cognitive dissonance we have that soil is uh, soil biology is this like income that we're entitled to spend no it's capital You know, you can take some, but you got to give back more than you took. And that's true for humans as well. You know, we can be useful to each other, but we need to be nourishing and and, and grow the human capital as well. And I I really do believe that if you said about a human restoring soil, you're going to restore that human in the process just inherently by creating that relationship and engaging in that activity with that intention. And so putting an economic engine into that as a way of being while eroding extractive
0: Industry—that's
2: mm. um, 100% where I'm going, and wherever that takes me, I'm sure I'll visit some eco-villages, probably live at some. But I, I hope to help all that are interested in orienting that way to be successful. Can
0: can you can, you can you can you list any specific engines, any specific machines that you that you have in mind right right now, or is it is it too early?
2: Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, there's the distillery, which is great. That was kind of born out of the pandemic. Uh, Described earlier, there's a mushroom grower I'm working on, um, and a so starch. A What's that?
0: So a tree log is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> uh, it's 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 for uh, medicinals uh and things like that. Um, but no, tree logs are definitely the way to go. <laughs> what it does actually is uh when you run the distillery, uh, when you if you go through the starch conversion process, you often have a bunch of solids left over, and so you can get those leftovers, put it in the mushroom grower and uh, build a resource cascade with like virtually zero labor, right? That's kind of the point is to have it at appropriate scale.
0: Right, all of these machines connecting up in these these circular resource flows, is that kind of how you're thinking about, you know, what you work on next is it has to connect to the previous one?
2: Yeah, no, yeah, I've identified some flows and I've identified what I can buy and what I have to develop and I've created my, pipeline based on what's a pioneer species in this in, in, out there in the in the capitalist wild like the distillery is great because it's small and it generates a ton of revenue um, you don't need it to be a part of a closed loop system for it to succeed uh, but there are elements design elements in this closed loop systems that really do need the context so I you know yeah. develop this later and that's a that is a important part of what makes this work is the efficiencies from yeah, having that complexity. So yeah, the ordering is what works now, and building from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. James, are you are you also seeking to embed yourself in one of these eco-industrial villages, or, or what are your plans moving forward? Do you, do you have them? <laughs> um, to the extent we yeah, do, I'm not not trying to like right. right. Throw your option oh, out. Here,
1: right? oh, Jason, uh, um, no. Uh, yeah, I've 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 spent I've spent some time at at different uh, different places that you that you might call um, uh, eco industrial eco industrial villages. There may be pre pre industrial eco pre industrial eco villages than than they are eco industrial villages, but. Um, I could I could certainly see myself uh, back in back in that kind of situation. My my plans right now, right now I'm I'm not unlike our friend Eli here, uh, quite mobile. I'm I'm many months into an uh, RV trip circumnavigating the United the contiguous United States, Um, and heading back. I started uh, yeah I started at the end of June from Northern California where um, and and we'll be back there in in several weeks uh, to. Pretty much link back up with with Eli here and um, and and be in person again. So the the foreseeable foreseeable time is there, um, and and working on working on some of the the kind of yeah strategy and and sort of world building around around what this what this speculative near future of eco industrial village networks might might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, beyond that, I I, I have no. Um, I have no set plans
0: good well um any last words from from anyone uh Ashley
3: um I guess I should just tell you guys that um it's typical on our podcast to just cut cut the guests off or cut cut somebody off in the middle of a sentence so um if you have any kind of cliffhanger sentence you can think of uh, that you want to say at the end um, you can you can one of you can say it now and we'll cut it off in the middle and then the the audience won't know what the end is.
2: It's a funny invitation. Oh. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, What's,
3: what, 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 if what, you what of- want to know the answer to the question is that kind of right. thing. Right
1: yeah what, what, what a lot of people don't realize in the permaculture industry Um, That would connect a lot of dots, I think, for the localist mutualist movement, the kind of small-scale farming movement, and the sort of decentralized tech cryptocurrency people is that Satoshi is actually...